Hello, everybody, and welcome to Comedy Film Nerds episode 361. Wow. Halfway to 722. Yep. It's going to be exciting. <laughs> it's, it, if before the world ends, it's possible we might make it. Is 722 a special number? No. We yes, just, it's in the okay. Bible. <laughs> so. It's raptures. <laughs> yeah, good luck. That's when Leviticus yeah. comes down and does something weird. I don't know. I don't he know. He loves to come down. I find it odd, though, that he comes down on a silver moon like Peter Allen above <laughs> yes. a piano. Mm. I always thought he was tougher than that. Well, it's, you know, that or a silver surfboard. Yeah. It's one of those. <laughs> Leviticus on a silver surfboard. Yeah. And that's truly the only thing I know about Peter Allen other than he was married to Liza Minnelli. Yeah. <laughs> he, that he was this really, really f- flamboyant. <laughs> Gay guy that was, I don't know, I guess Liza Minnelli had a thing for marrying. Well, there's a lot of flamboyant gay guys in the Bible, if you think about it. <laughs> Moses. <laughs> Everyone was wearing a robe. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, ladies and gentlemen, why don't we introduce our guest? No. Uh, very, very talented comedian, uh, has his own podcast, The Mental Illness Happy Hour. One of the stars of Earbuds, the uh-huh. podcasting documentary. Please welcome Paul Gilmartin. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. Glad uh, you could make it. And thank you for including me in the documentary. I can't tell you how flattering it was to um, to be a part of it and uh, get so much so much love and the and the doc. Well, you know, one of the points or one of the things we were trying to accomplish with earbuds was to show all of the different things that a podcast could be, and your show to me is like one of the more unique uses of the medium. And I remember you talking, you say a little bit about it in your interview, but but you and I... How you got there. That's a great story, I, how you got there and how you started it. How you too. started it. Mm-hmm. And I remember you just sort of, I don't know, I'm thinking about doing a podcast and that you took all of these very personal elements of your life and decided to go, well, here's a way I could sort of help and, and give back a little bit. And I was like, that's so fantastic because most comics are... You know, just messed bel- up, belly aching about sports or movies or whatever <laughs> crybaby nonsense they want to get into, and you're trying to help people. So I think that's fantastic. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. And you know, when you told me before I I started doing it, you said doing your own podcast is so empowering, and I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I did. I did stand up. It's you have you have. I had no idea. It's, I had no idea. It's such an intimate medium. That's what I didn't yes. understand is how incredibly intimate. It is. Well, and that's the thing. I love seeing somebody such as yourself take you want you saw how intimate the medium was, and then used, you didn't ruin it. You didn't ruin it. A lot of guys just <laughs> fuck it up. Give me time. <laughs> Give me time. Uh, no, but you, the intimacy plays into your subject matter. I mean, I think it's it it helps a hundredfold. Uh, yeah, exactly. It wouldn't be possible without it. Right. You couldn't. Podcast, no, no, you couldn't just have a one-on-one, very personal conversation with somebody. In any other, like on camera, or right. I don't think that would. That's work. why that I've people have said, you know, why don't why don't we videotape it? And there's a part of me that's like, I don't know. Just being in somebody's ears um, allows you to concentrate sometimes more when it's something kind of deeply emotional. But I, I could be wrong. I get distracted sometimes by. Um, Looking at, at yeah, because at, you're, you you could be looking at like oh look at their shirt or what are they wearing or right, whatever right. and and versus you just have to listen mm-hmm. and especially what y- you guys talk about on that show is is uh, is really cool. Yeah. Um, but enough it? about me. Let's get to the uh, <laughs> yeah. That's not right. Got a lot of movies to Let's talk about. Let's get to these movies I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, first I want to make an announcement. We've just started selling uh, comedy film nerds gift packs. Yes, and that come with a. Book? Yes, the book, the DVD, and a CFN t-shirt. And a poster. And a poster. I got a Kong Skull Island poster free from the movie theater I saw it at. So the Hello. first, the very first gift pack order uh, will get an additional Kong Skull Island Yes, poster. should we sign it? We should sign sure, it. Sure, we'll sign it. Yeah, we'll I'll sign the Skull Island. Did you need dimension free? I think that was obvious. Yeah. <laughs> Did anybody really think somebody would pay for a Kong Skull Island movie poster? 
I got a great deal on yeah. a Kong Skull Island movie. Poster. I went to the uh, Kong Fest yes. and the Kong Con, and I bought, Con. I bought one. It's really good. How's I got the it. cosplay at the Kong Con? It's really great. Yeah. Kong Con is great. Jessica yeah. Lang was there. It was really fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Bridges came up. He's surprisingly enough uh, dressed up as the dude. Yeah. I don't know why he did that for Kong Con. Did he talk like this when he was talking about King Kong? <laughs> no. <laughs> Whose voice is that? It's Jeff Bridges in every movie. An Wait, old wait. Scottish yes. lord? Yes. <laughs> it does kind of do, it, it'll either be a southern accent yes. or something else. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this old guy's yes, a little, a little bit talking about fighting witches or finding bank robbers. He's talking like this now. <laughs> uh, he was so good in Hell or High Water. He's good in everything. Yes, he, he is. is good mm-hmm. in everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I just watched um, Big Lebowski. I haven't seen that in forever. I forgot how insane that movie is. For all it's the right reasons. The best Dude just moment. Wants his rug. John, um, uh, John Turturro with the ball yes. sticking his tongue out. <laughs> oh, great. fuck. That is just so, so fantastic. All of those stuff, like when he pulls the gun out and then all the phone calls, it's more about that he pulled the gun out during league play. During a t- yeah. <laughs> It wasn't that there was a guy showed, I waved a gun around. It was that it was during league play, yeah. which. Come on, yeah. sacred. Gun, we don't mess with league play. It's uh, so good. Having grown up in the Midwest. So let's uh, let's get into it. Let's get into Kong Skull right. Island. Now, I will say this. I took the whole family, uh, <laughs> wife, two kids, uh, 12 and 8. And I have to say. Uh, What's I it always, rated? Uh, it's PG-13. Okay. So, but here's the thing. I always check the uh, IMDb parent guide before if I'm not sure I'm seeing a movie. It's something that seemed like about borderline. So I was a little apprehensive taking my 8-year-old. But he's a boy. He loves you know, action, superhero-y, monster-y type stuff. And uh, I get in the movie theater, I'm thinking, oh, God, he's going to be like the only boy in here, and it's going to be a bunch of adults looking at us. And uh, the, uh, the theater was filled with mostly children. had <laughs> Saturday night at 8 o'clock to see this movie. So I'm like, oh, okay, I have one of the some of the older children here. Um, so... It definitely, I think, was okay if your kid can handle that. There was a couple of things that kind of scared him a little bit, but for the most part, he could he could definitely handle. You it. You can really sure. subtract about five years from the the parental rating. It, you know, like it, it depends on the movie, but yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, and also like like now my daughter at eight, I wouldn't have taken her because the violence would upset her more at eight. Like you just got to. And know she your doesn't kids. deserve attention, right? Other yeah, than that. yeah. You know, so the son. You know, they uh, that. That continues the family line. It's, it's <laughs> and, the, and the name. It's uh, <laughs> bloodline only yes. tonight. Yeah. Three so, white uh, guys yeah. talking about women's rights here on comedy film nerds. So, um, so it was a good time had by all. The entire family. We all loved the movie. It really was a cross between uh, Jurassic World and like Apocalypse Now. Even to the point where some of the shots were the same from like Apocalypse Now, like with the helicopters and then you know the sun. You could tell. Did the, did the Smoke swirl like it, it did. It, it was in, all these like little little uh, um, little nods to Apocalypse Now. It was so good. Did a guy say good. Kong don't surf? It, th- <laughs> <there> was, <laughs> they should have. They should have. But it was uh, it was that kind of thing. It was such a genius thing. Like all you know the seventies music and it was all it was all there. And so there there was uh, some winking. Uh, in the style, more than one, more than one wink for sure. And what, but I loved about it too was like it was such an odd thing to put together, but it worked. It was like if you're gonna do a Kong Skull Island movie, why wouldn't you make it like Apocalypse Now? Of course, that makes perfect sense. And uh, it was a big, fun, dumb popcorn movie. Um, it wasn't. The, the, it, the, it's not gonna win any awards, but the it was fun. Movie poster is like an Apocalypse Now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You see it. Like it's the helicopters. You know the, the big sun. The big sun. Yeah. And just happens to have. Kong in front of and Kong it. when he punches drunk punches the mirror and yes. his hand bleeds <laughs> so, does Kong say the horror yeah the horror so it was really I mean we're getting like a summer season now in March which is which is really fun but I have to say this is the kind of movie where if you want a big summer dumb blockbuster popcorn movie this is the way you make it correctly it's got you know fun characters it's got fun um Good special effects, good action, crazy monsters. And the only thing, uh, the one criticism I had with it, too, is um, the movie tries to set up a little bit of more characters and character arcs with, like, John Goodman's character. Um, like, there's, like, a conspiracy, like, what's really going on? Who knows what? But all that kind of gets thrown away about halfway through, and now we're just monster fighting. Does, but you don't mind it too much. Does fat John Goodman fight skinny John Goodman? Yeah. <laughs> 
through a mirror and then his hand starts to bleed. <laughs> And then you hear yeah. Doors music. I, I will say, um, Skinny John Goodman way more serious than Fat John Goodman because you know he's amazing lost... actor. Yeah. Is he sort mm-hmm. of like the Charles Grodin character from the '78 King Kong movie with Jeff Bridges and, and Jessica Lange? That's sort of the oil guy, the corporate oil guy. No, he's he's more he's more of that guy. Like, well, he really needs to get to this island. He has a secret. What is it? It's like that kind of oh. like mystery kind of thing. I mean, it is. It gets a Paul little. Riser and aliens. Yeah, it, it, it kind of like it, it's that. It's got that weird thing of like, um, there was definitely some studio noting where um, like you're setting up all these things, and then some of them don't quite pay off. But like, wait, why is everyone going to the island again? Like, there's already a mission, and then you guys are tagging on to the mission, and then you're part of the corporation, but you're not funding the mission. Like, you need help from the center. Like, there was like a lot of these weird. This seems a little more intricate than it needs to be to get to yeah. the island. <laughs> I thought when they had the uh, person that wrote the screenplay come into frame and explain what was happening, I thought that that was really just <laughs> that was a, yeah, really a little poor. too yeah. much exposition for yeah. you. Or yeah, just poorly executed. Yeah. Guy just comes in with yeah. a clipboard. Yeah. Yeah. All right, everybody. Yeah, here's what's uh, going on. We couldn't make this work, so yeah. we just decided basically I would come out. We had three act ones. We took a piece of each one and we put it here just to get us to the island. <laughs> Now, let me ask you this. The the director, Jordan Voigt uh, Roberts, it was his second feature. The only other feature he's directed is Kings of Summer. They came out in 2013. He's done a bunch of TV. How, how did you think he handled? I thought he did really well. And th- this is not an easy movie to direct because you have not only a lot of um, actors, there's a lot of moving parts. You've got a ton of special effects. You've got locations shooting. And uh, I can't imagine some executive saw this project and went, get me the Kings of Summer director. I would love to hear how he went from Kings of Summer to this Not available? The guy that did Lombardo. Yes. <laughs> He's not available? 500 Days of Summer. Yes, Find yeah. me a guy, a guy that's that, done a that movie. knows the summer. Because <laughs> so, that yeah. island's going to be hot. Yeah. So it is. It's it's a weird uh, choice, but I, I will say it worked. It's not like he ruined anything. I mean, it was uh, it was a fun popcorny movie from start to finish. And how was Brie Larson? So she's like really after winning the Oscar last year for Room. She's really this was a paycheck movie for her. It was uh, she's the photographer, uh, and pretty much like okay, well you're gonna run around and take pictures, and that's it. This is where, like I said, like there was a lot of character kind of set up a little bit in the beginning, but then all that got kind of thrown away from about midpoint to. You know, monster fighting and running and eating. Monster eating. <laughs> Either other monsters or people or whatever. Just they would stop and eat. Yes, they yes. Would stop and <laughs> make a meal. Like, uh, you know, there's a, you know, the great fight with the, you know, a hell, you know, Apocalypse Now Helicopters versus King Kong is just a great set, a great scene, great set piece. It's just mm. so much fun. Well, that stuff from the trailer, that's the thing why I'm, I'm excited to see it is the trailer was like, wow, this looks like a blast in yeah. terms of just crazy. So is it sort of like maybe that last Jurassic Park movie with, with uh, Chris Pratt? Chris Pratt, where yeah, you Jurassic went, World. Eh, story shmory. Let's just get to some. Let's just get to the dinosaurs. <laughs> yes. Let me see better CGI and a head come off. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's uh it, it really uh, it really followed that formula. The only difference is like I said it really made the attempt in the beginning to kind of set up these characters and what else is going on and maybe some larger themes of uh like wait there's tunnels under the earth and you know Kong is really protecting the island all that's in the trailer. These aren't spoilers, <laughs> but but then it's like like I like I said not a lot of that pays off, but you don't care because you're having fun and you're watching giant monsters fight. What movie do you think reached, okay, uh, CGI has really kind of achieved reality or close enough to reality? I'll tell you. I think it was probably Jungle Book, you know, that that just came out where, you know, all those animals looked really real. The backgrounds looked real. And you had a um, an actual live-action character, but it was seamless the way, like, they're literally on a green screen most of the time. Really, running mm-hmm. around with like yeah. mocap people, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I, I think, and I hear it's a good movie aside from it is visual yeah. effects. I mean, the uh, the latest Planet of the Apes movies are like that now too, where you know better the, than the seventies. Those, uh, <laughs> yeah, then the ape masks, <laughs> the yes. ape masks that they wore. As the Planet of the Ape movie yeah. started to do the only sequels that got lower budgets as they progressed. <laughs> right, yeah, the 70s until they went shopping. Yeah, <laughs> what movie do you? And I'm sorry if I'm bogging down the proceedings, but no, no. What movie do you feel like made the the 
biggest leap forward in special effects? Do you think it would be Jurassic Park or Star Wars? Oh, in terms of historically, yeah. historically, that's a great. That's a great question. I think. Well, I think there's for like, for people our age because you know you could go back to. Sure. Um, I, I think they were both kind of Snow uh, White. I think they were both kind of groundbreaking, like with Star Wars for its time, for sure. But I remember going to see Jurassic Park when that first came out. Blue you know, literally, people were going, "Oh, dinosaurs are real. Dinosaurs. They look real." Yeah. I, I think there's all, there's a lot of movies like that that are sort of stepping stones into the technology with Star Wars, you know, he used a lot of models. He, that was his big thing back in the 70s. He right. shot models and he did a The really dynamics of it were, yeah. it was the first time the dynamics weren't right. fucked. And, and sometimes, well, he, oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, like, he did several things. Like, he had cameras going through the models to get you that sense of motion. And then he was the first one to start developing all of the computer generation. And then, like... I, like as you guys were saying, I think Jurassic Park then took it to. There's a bunch of movies that took it to the and next level. And that was level. a mix of like Stan Winston's creature effects and uh, computer generated effects. I, I remember too. Then Terminator Two, the liquid metal scene of yes, Jason Patrick. Was pretty... I was like, holy shit, what is this? And then I remember the. This is more camera work, but the 300, almost 300. It's like whatever 320 degree camera thing of the first Matrix. When they do that oh, fight the, and stop. the quote, bullet time. Yeah, and then yes. you'd circle around. And then everyone Amazing. used it afterwards. Everyone. Like, stop, stop. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you have, um, when you have these leaps in special effects, sometimes when you have a stumble in special effects, it makes the leap that much, uh, the next leap look like it's that much more going forward. Like an example is the Star Wars prequels. When you had the characters of, like, Jar Jar Binks, when they were awful, they were yeah. poorly animated, and then... Uh, Peter Jackson comes along with Lord of the Rings with Weta Workshop, which was a completely separate special effects house, and had a character like Gollum, which looked amazing. Well, he he was though, but Peter Jackson, I think maybe I'm wrong, but he seemed like the first guy that started doing the mocap special effects, where instead of just like a completely computerized Jar Jar Binks, which looked fake and was awful, he had guys in the mocap suits acting, Andy Serkis acting, and then he just put their their uh, whatever their act you know he CG'd in their external basically then they, they, uh, yeah they would that's when it, they that to me is when there was like no, the they shift. cut human skin off of homeless people and put that on there I don't know <laughs> if you knew that that's what motion <laughs> capture is I'm, yeah. I'm all for it yeah. I mean I, I just, just want to say one thing about Star Wars is I think I may have had the purest experience of seeing that because I was 14 years old my family was coming back from dinner and we were passing a movie theater and my mom said oh I read something in the paper today about that movie. It's supposed to be really good. Do you guys want to go see that? And so we went and saw it and had no idea what oh. it was about, hadn't heard anything about it, and our minds were fucking blown. Right. I, th yeah, I had a similar, like, we had heard some buzz, and my dad went and got tickets, and we went out to this mall, and... There was a big line, and there was a lot of excitement. We were just like, oh, I yeah. don't know, some kind of space thing. Yeah, I didn't. I was you know? not sure how. You know, I was the same thing. I was like, oh, okay, well, it's a bunch of uh, a bunch of family and cousins. We're all mm -hmm. gonna go. I'm like, oh yeah, sounds sounds great. We're all gonna go. And uh, I didn't know that much about it either. And it was like, okay, this is like kind of like our cinematic awakening. That's when a love of movies really started for mm -hmm. for me. Anyway, sorry, sorry about the tangent. Yes, no, 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 that's a great tangent. This is my time but, to geek out. On, but Kong, uh, Kong on Skull Island, I got to tell you, it, it's just it's a fun summer movie that you're getting in March. Now, it, don't overthink it. It is, <laughs> but it, it's especially because you know, if you remember, the uh, Peter Jackson King Kong was just long and drawn oh, out yeah. and slow. This one is not that at all. It the was three entire, and a half hours. The yeah. Peter Jackson one was yeah, three and a half is, hours. We wow, only need which two. Which is offensive. We only need two. We for a King Kong movie, and this. Um, th this did it. This so the, the, let me ask you these two questions: the hundred eighty-five million dollar budget was that worth it? Oh, it's on screen. Really? Definitely. Yeah, you can adjust. Because Kong looks that awesome. Kong looks great, especially too. There's close-ups of his facial expressions, which look absolutely fantastic. Yeah, there's definitely uh, a move forward in some of the effects as well. There's like you know a lot of creatures and monsters and. I was afraid too, like the tone would be off. Like when you see the trailers, you think, "Oh, this is going to be a um, a real action-packed kind of um, like monstery type movie with some scares in it." And then John C. Riley is in a trailer just making goofy jokes. I'm like, "Well, which movie is this going to be?" Uh, and the movie 
rightfully was right in the middle. Oh. It was, uh, you know, it was big, dumb, fun action with some quippy lines, and mm-hmm. it was, yeah, summer, summer. Well, because we, we've just done a, uh, you talked about Logan last week, and we just did a Logan, yes. a Logan spoiler up is is dropping, um, which I saw. Logan was we talked about was really smart. Um, it had a ninety-seven million dollar budget. It had cool action, but it wasn't all about like a lot of X Men movies. It wasn't all about the. It was CG. a character driven. It's a character driven yeah, thing. Story. So it's obviously Logan sounds like it's way more of a smarter. It's still a a fun, entertaining movie, but it's they're very different movies. And right. it's a hard yeah. R, isn't it? Uh, Logan. Logan is a hard R yeah, for, yeah, sure. for sure. Yeah, did not bring the kids to that one. No. And my my twelve year old daughter is bugging me to go see it because you know she loves superhero movies and i just said no it's, it's not violent. it's not it's not uh hard horror movies are good if you want a divorce but are afraid to ask for one yeah just <laughs> bring the kids on the way back mention yeah <laughs> you took them yeah as they come back to the house shaking with their yeah. eyes <laughs> so uh yeah they're but it's yeah it's so weird I just feel like we're getting the summer in march now and beauty and the beast is uh, this coming weekend I'm curious to see how that does. Is that going to just scoop up a lot of money just based on? Anyway, we'll talk about that yes. later. But all right, yeah, we'll yeah. just scape up a bunch of Disney money. Um, yeah. Okay, I, I want to talk about. Uh, well, I'll say real quickly. I mean, you can listen to the Logan spoiler up. I really liked Logan. It's a. It's a. As we were just saying, it's a lot of fun. It's very smart. It's great character arc. How long is it? It's about two hours, maybe. Yep. Um, it's the right length. It's but the it right. Moves. It never feels like oh, this is too long. And all, you don't have to be super into the X Men world to like it. No. If you are, you. I've never seen an X Men movie. I think you'd. Well, like then you could one. still like. You would still. Like I think you'd like movies. this a lot. Okay. Um, so yeah, and I think it puts a nice sort of, and we go into the spoiler obviously, but it puts a nice cap on the whole sort of uh, Hugh Jackman Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Uh, his run that he's been doing Definitely. since 2000. Pardon my ADD for a second, but I just the question popped into my mind. What's the longest movie you've ever seen that you didn't want to end? You Se- wanted it Seven to- Samurai. And that's what, like five hours? That's three, almost four, three and four, okay. or something like that. Um, I would say uh, Lawrence of Arabia. David Rabe, just... Uh, Peter, wait. Oh, who directed that? Oh, oh, Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah, David. Uh, uh, David Lean. David, David Lean. Lean. Yes. Sorry, wrong name. <laughs> what was one of the days? Close. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So, let's talk about another movie you saw, Sing Street. So, I watched this um, on the uh, one of the fine streaming services that is not paying us to mention their name. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> they've got enough free plugs from us. I saw Sing Street. And uh, this was, I think it came out um, last year, and it came, yeah, it came out last year. Indie film out of Ireland, uh, directed by John Carney. It was an Irish um, 80s music movie. Yeah, pretty much. It was really, you know, and he was, John Carney was was born in 1972 in Dublin, Eng- England. He's the director uh, for Once and Begin Again. So he's Did done- Did you say Dublin, England? Dublin, I'm sorry. Dublin. Dublin, Ireland. Oh, wow. Someone's going to, someone from no, me is going to pipe on. I thought I'd save you right there. Yeah. <laughs> you meant, I hate those emails. Yeah. You meant, By the way, fuck face. Yeah. You meant double in England. Yeah, he doubled down in England. Um, no, John Carney is from Dublin, Ireland. My Irish grandparents are rolling in their graves that I said England. Um, so he did once and begin again. Two movies that I that I really enjoyed. And uh, this movie is about... Now, for can I just interrupt you for one second? I want to say that uh, everyone who was upset over our Brooklyn reviews will enjoy this review. <laughs> yeah, that I was very unfair of Brooklyn in some of your opinions. Uh, I just saw the light you haven't. Yeah. Uh, but this this is uh, once and begin again a really um, everything he does is very th- like music themed, and it's a man and a woman, and the music and the relationship and stuff like that. This was really cool because it's about. A kid who's like, I don't know, 13, 14 years old, his parents are having financial trouble and he has to go from kind of a nicer school to a more of a the Irish version of a public school. So there's a little more, you know, kids fighting and blue collar. Well, it's, it's Catholic schools. It's run by a priest. Yeah. Well, it's, that's why I said Irish public. So yeah. it's a Catholic school. <laughs> so, so. Or maybe he was at a nice public school. Now he's got to go to the cheap Catholic where there's a, an asshole priest. Weird. A guy running a Catholic school was a dick. Um, so, and he is a quirky kid. You know, we've, we've seen this story before. But uh, as an American, we haven't seen a lot of this through uh, 
Ireland in the 80s. <laughs> right. You know, and, you know. Don't through music. Don't through music. And so the movie starts, he's got an older brother that's like uh, kind of Philip Seymour Hoffman's character in the um, the Rolling Stone movie. Stoner Slackery. Yeah. Almost famous. Almost famous, right. He sort of plays that older guy that's educating the kid on, oh, man, you need to watch this. The and jaded sage. The jaded sage <laughs> who's who's a, a music sage. Mm-hmm. So he's he's schooling his, his, his younger brother, and the older brother kind of missed his opportunities and had to stay around for the family that's going through financial trouble. The mom and the, in the background is sort of the mom and dad always fighting and how the kid has to kind of deal with it. And so he, he goes to this, this Catholic school and now he sees this girl and he just starts to talk to her and she's like, I'm a model. And you know, she's the most beautiful girl in Dublin. And you know, she's like a year older. He's like 15, she's 16 or whatever. And he's like, yeah, I'm in a band. She's like, awesome. And he's like, all right. I will guess you be we, in our video? Yeah, will you be in our video? And she's like, for sure. And he's like, and it turns to his buddy, we got to start a band. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's all about, it's all about that. And um, he does, you would, if, if you told me here's a director that's done three boy, girl music, it'd be like, ah, oh, they're going to, they're all going to be too repetitive. No, they're, they're, they're very different. They're very not. And, and there, I mean, there are some similarities, but it's a really cool story. It's a great, uh, movie to check out. Um, I actually loved it. I thought Sing Street, it was really, really fun and funny. And it also had that, uh, nostalgic feel to it. What I like about it too, is not only do you like when you set up. Uh, music movie in the 80s you know you play you hear Duran Duran and all those things but you have since they aren't a band they're writing their own music so that's not an easy thing to do you have to write 80s music you know in 2017 or in 2016 that's the thing that I I, uh, that's a great point is whoever wrote the music for these so they had to write music that sounds like Irish teenage boys in the 80s you know and and they're being influenced by Duran Duran yes. and The Clash. Uh-huh. So it's like, and and then you see like something what would happen to him, you know, and then his- They had to buy a keyboard. Right. <laughs> and they had to get their Alesis uh, A-Dats yes. geek joke for uh, <laughs> recording people. <laughs> Any of you who uh, sound nerds are going to yeah. like that. Uh, so yeah, so that was like, I was like, these songs are really sound like a high school band from that era would write, you know, and- He's, he's awkward with That's girls. That's a really hard bullseye to hit oh, is man. to make it something you want to hear, but it's just amateur enough that it's believable. I mean, that is right. that is a really, really hard. And they nailed it. They nailed it. And I think they did, too, as, as their music progressed. Like, they'd release a song, and then the older brother would be like, yeah, you're getting there, but you need more of this. And he'd throw some albums in and, like, listen to this, you know. And so they did a great job of, of like you say, Paul, the, the, hitting the bullseye of the first song, the third song. Their seventh song, They're, you know, and it's like as they sort of progress, the singing gets better. The everything singing gets, gets better. better. What a great idea too to show the progression as they get turned down to different music. Yeah, it's the kind of you kind of felt like, you know, you could almost see the 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 documentary thirty years from now talking about. You know, we were all mates in school, and we, you know, like yeah. trying to impress a girl, and you're like, oh, this. I'm seeing this sort of acted out. Did the director write it as well? Um, that's a great question. Uh, so the the movie was written by, um, so John Carney directed it, and it was the writers are Simon. Oh, John Carney was one of the writers. The story was by Simon uh, Carmody, and then John Carney did the screenplay. So, it's really. It's really cool. There's some real heartfelt moments. There's some funny moments. There's some like, oh man, you know, like this is the reality of. It's not the bleakest of bleak, but it's like this. This is tough. You know, you're you're in Catholic school in Ireland. The priest can beat the shit out of you, and there's nothing you can do about it. It's your it. fault. It's your happens. fault. And it <laughs> takes place in Dublin. Yeah, okay. uh, Dublin, Ireland. Yes. Uh, <laughs> So uh, it's really cool, and then and there's it, a lot to like about this movie. There really is, mm-hmm. and then like the parents are played by Aidan Gillian, who was in The Wire. Um, I didn't. He was one of those guys when I first saw him in The Wire as the young up and coming. Isn't he also in Game of Thrones? Yeah, he is in Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, Maria Doyle Kennedy. Who is and he in also The Wire? Dark Knight Rises. 
Yeah, he's in Dark Knight. He's in the opening scene. He's in the opening scene oh, right. of Dark Knight Rises. He in The Wire is the young up and coming guy that becomes mayor. He's the young like councilman. Oh yeah, yeah. He's a great actor. Great actor. I didn't The Wire. I didn't know he was Irish. His yeah. like ba- his Baltimore accent was so solid. And then the woman who plays his wife, Maria Doyle Kennedy, is, is she Irish? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and they they play husband and wife, and they played brother and sister in Queer as Folk in 1999, which is is a cool. And there's a lot of like Back to the uh, Future references. It's yeah. a it's a fun if you just got if you're just at home looking for something to watch um check I'm, it out check it sure. out for mm-hmm. sure it's it's a solid little film All right we have a sponsor oh, this week snap. yes uh hello fresh um these guys are great I, we've actually been subscribing to them every week since they started advertising that's one of the ways some of these sponsors make money the hosts sign up so uh, they usually get their money back they do a drug dealer style they give you the first one free (laughs) and then you're hooked uh we're on the family plan it's been great we've gotten um you know these great more healthier meals there's always produce in it it's uh you know the kids are picky eaters sometimes they like them sometimes they're like "Eh." i'm like oh come on just just try it a little bit here and there uh it's it's really good service they deliver fresh food to you you can make the meals in like maybe 30 45 minutes and they're really good well the thing i like about they've got a lot of vegetarian options yes and then it's it's the kind of thing if you like oh i want to make this dish and you don't have the time to go get like the thing of parsley and the little right. thing of that uh-huh. and the, the, the butter and the whatever. And they put it all in there in these little packs. Little jar of spices. Everything's there to it, make the meal. If it needs hun- everything, you don't need any extra right. anything. So it's so hassle-free. And if you love something, you just keep the recipe. Then I'm right. like, oh, I want to make this again. Now I have the recipe card. I could just get whatever I need. And But we're not going to let you guys pay full price. That would be crazy. What are you, animals? Yeah, come on. <laughs> Comedyfilmnerds.com. Um, um, go to HelloFresh.com. Yes, but first go to ComedyFilmArtist.com and check out the lovely articles we have on movies. <laughs> then and go buy, to Hello, and yes, buy earbuds. And, buy and earbuds. then get a nice meal while and you watch it. And then get a nice it. meal and go to HelloFresh.com and use coupon code uh, ComedyFilmNerds. You get $30 off your first order. Do it. HelloFresh.com, coupon code ComedyFilmNerds. Thank you, guys. Uh, let's get into some trailers. Yes, the new Wonder Woman trailer. Uh, I don't need to see any more trailers. I'm already lukewarm about the movie, and every trailer after it has not changed my mind. Who who's Wonder Woman? And uh, yeah, who plays her? It's uh, uh, Gail Godot. Gail Godot. So um, this film is. Um, every time that dumb music that's not comes a good at the pause. End. That's yeah. that's <laughs> it, it's more it's. I know we've said this before, and it sounds like a broken record, but DC has done very little to change this. DC right. keeps dropping the ball, and yeah. Marvel keeps releasing amazing things. Yeah. Yeah. I see the I see Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm so fired up. Yeah. I see the Wonder Woman trailer. I'm like, I don't need what are s- they doing? I don't need to see another Guardians of the Galaxy trailer for the opposite reason. Like, no, I'm going. I'm, I'm going. You got I me. Don't, I don't need I, you don't need trailer. to tease me anymore. Yeah. I'm in. And this is just like another I don't know. mediocre trailer. I'm like, okay, I get it. You know, like- oh, the the sword doesn't go with the outfit. Yeah, got it. Funny joke. <laughs> Ha uh-huh. ha! Um, I like Gail Godot. I understand why they're really trying to push her as this action star. Yes. Because she's done all right in the Fast and Furious. She's good looking. She's athletic. She can. She can. Be, she could be a badass. Uh, she can be in uh, slow motion shots, which apparently, according to the trailer, is eighty percent of the film. It's just so. more that they're. I think. An incorrect thing has happened is they're looking at the money that was made from Batman and Superman and going, yep, we did this right. Ah, I can't imagine anybody's thinking that over there. All they're looking at is the money, and that movie did make money, so they're like, we got it. We know yeah. what we're doing, and, and I don't— Too bad we can't get a Flash director, and uh, Ben Affleck doesn't want to direct the Batman anymore, uh, so— We'll figure it out. Mm, and the thing, start over. What, what bothers me so much about this is if this movie is poorly done, then you're going to hear this, oh, women can't be action stars, I know, the, bullshit. It'll be the uh, the wrong lesson will be learned The totally once again. wrong lesson, which is like somebody put Gail Godot in a in a good action movie. Right. Let her lead. She could, she could lead for sure. Yeah. Um, but don't let, like... Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm well, still I don't very. Like, I, I mean, show, I, some, show somebody uh, scenes from Kill Bill when they yes, when they say women yes, can't do action. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. movie is th- both in, those. In fact, movies, maybe I'll just watch Kill Bill again. I would. Going, going to see just wear a Wonder so Woman fun. outfit and right? watch Kill Bill, <laughs> which I do quite often, yeah. by the way, and I highly suggest it. Uh, while eating HelloFresh.com. So, yeah. <laughs> 
like that. I mean, That's yeah. multi-tier marketing, Paul. Yes. No, it's <laughs> it's getting in there on a subconscious level. That's synergy. Yeah. <laughs> Creepy synergy, <laughs> but synergy. Crinergy. Crinergy. <laughs> New buzzword, crinergy. Uh, speaking of crinergy, the next uh, trailer, Baby Driver. Uh, I this ha- This movie has a lot of stars in it. Um, I, I don't know what to make of this trailer. It, it's it's one of those movies where I'm like, I like, wasn't like Simon, who, who directed it? It is, it is. Des- Edgar Wright. Edgar, Edgar Wright. Wright. Yeah, it's Edgar Wright, who I love. Who I, wrote I love it. All, who wrote it. I love all the actors in it, but it just feels like, is this like a drive parody? What, what, what's going on with this movie? Well, like, I, I really feel like the trailer is not telling me what this movie is. I'm going to assume that it's about an infant uh, who joins NASCAR. Yep, yes. you got it. That's <laughs> right, on the mo- yeah. <laughs> right on the money. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put you into the wall. Goo, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's really good stuff. That was, that was my impression of the a babies, NASCAR yeah. driver. Voiced by Kelsey Grammer. So. <laughs> I, I, I saw this trailer ahead of when I saw Logan last night. Mm-hmm. And um, I can't decide because it's the kid from A Fault in the Stars uh, – and but didn't it feel like you weren't getting the full story from the trailer? Like the trailer was put together by someone who either didn't see the, the whole movie or uh, is trying to make it into something that it isn't. Yeah, because I did the same thing. I was like, oh, this is this is Driver. This is yeah. – or it's that that uh, the Gambler, Mark, the Mark Wahlberg remake of that James Conn movie, Gambler. Like oh. it felt like that. It felt like <laughs> yeah. Driver. I was like – but then I see uh, John Hamm in some quick scenes yeah. in the trailer. There's a ton of stars in this movie. Right. And it's like Kevin Spacey is the bad mobster. Right. I'm excited for that. He's yeah. like, well, it'd be a shame if that pretty girlfriend, you know, yeah. hurt herself or whatever. It's right. like, oh. But then. There's the waitress that falls in love with Baby. Right. The driver. And we find out in the trailer that Baby listens to music all the time because his eardrum has a constant ringing from an accident. So that drowns out the sound of the ringing. And that's why he's such a good driver. I was told that in the Boo. trailer. <laughs> yeah. That's a really uh, long explanation for a trailer. Uh, by the way, don't you think most movies are ruined by an excess of stars? I can't think of a single movie where it helped uh, a movie. Normally, the I mad, think it... mad, mad, mad world. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're going, well, we got to go back 40-some years. Sure. <laughs> Because it, it's to me, it takes you out of the suspension of disbelief. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you not watch Cannonball Run, Paul? Are you are you really <laughs> I'm talking about non Dom DeLuise <laughs> project vehicles? <laughs> when is someone going to do a Dom DeLuise uh, film retrospective? Mm-hmm. No, I think that's a great point. Is especially when you look. At, all right, so so Kong Skull Island has a lot of stars in it, but. What made that successful versus the ones where they they are typically failures? Like, get these motherfucking apes off this motherfucking plane. <laughs> oh right. So it's just to make it about the action and it. It re- what it is is uh, the thing about the stars in Kong Island. The stars weren't the stars. King Kong is the star of that. That's really the mm-hmm. big the biggest difference is you're watching name star actors. Um, and basically supporting roles around a giant monster. It's like Jurassic World. It's like, where did the star? Was Chris Pratt the star? No, the dinosaurs were the star. And you've already suspended your disbelief yes. by going to see that movie. Exactly. Whereas when it's a, you know, a solely live action thing right. um, where it's, it's supposed to be character driven, I think having stars in it just it, it, it makes it harder for me if it's not a high concept thing. I, I agree with that because I think and again, I haven't seen the movie, but just from the trailer I did that, I, I went, oh, that guy looks like a badass. I went, oh, there's John Hamm. Right. And I like John Hamm. Like, I know, right. him, I know him personally. I think he's a fine actor, yeah. but I'm, I wonder that thing of sometimes it is. I think you're right, Paul. It is a very tricky thing to, to where you're not as the audience going, oh, there's this famous person. There's that famous person right. versus when you have one or two leads. And then I, I, to me, I think you have to. You have to, if you're going to do that, I don't know, like it, it has to be like a handful or they have to be real supporting or they have to be. And that's what happened with Kong. I mean, right. really, it's like you have like John Goodman, Samuel Jackson, Brie, Brie Larson. They're all in this movie. But, you know, ultimately people are going to see King Kong. So no one is making their decision to see King Kong, whether or not Samuel Jackson's in the movie or not. Now, however, when you have that caliber of actors surrounding you know, the giant monster movie, like with Chris Pratt and, and Jurassic World, it does elevate the film. 
it does because oh you know it has that weird air of like giving it more um um validity it's like no we're not just going to put a bunch of no name actors around a uh, a giant cg monster we're putting actual actors in around all of these uh, cg effects so it has that effect but it's not like it's not like a make or break kind uh, of thing it's like every movie i think needs something that that anchors it that you can lose yourself in in a good way yes and if it doesn't i think the stars really really work against a movie if it if it hasn't established that I think that's a great point. Right. I, I'm reminded of we're talking about Drive. Albert Brooks's character in Drive. Now, Drive didn't wasn't littered with big name, but it you know it had it had Ryan Gosling as the lead. Right. But then Albert Brooks was playing so away from who he was. But he did a great job. It wasn't oh there's Albert Brooks trying to be a bad guy. You're right. This guy is fucking creepy. That's yeah. Albert Brooks, which to me is like yeah. amazing. Or like Brando in Apocalypse right. Now. Right. You, right. Or like when you watch Ben Foster in a movie, you never go, "That's Ben Foster." You go, "Oh, that's a creepy, intense dude." That, yeah, uh... <laughs> it's and it's not, that's a hard thing for a lot of actors to do. Some actors make their living kind of doing the same thing all the time, and I don't begrudge anyone for doing right. that. I mean, the most brilliant performances is the are the ones that you forget you're watching the actual actor. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like a Tropic Thunder, perfect example of where you bring in a cavalcade. Uh, yeah, yeah. cavalcade of, of stars and it's a high concept and you just you buy into it and right. because that's part of the two is that in, within the, you're right within the concept is this is a big budget movie with a bunch of stars and big powerful agents you've already <laughs> yeah. suspended your disbelief yeah right and it should have stars in it that movie because you are going oh there's tom cruise playing the shitty agent because that's what you are kind of on board for yeah um I don't know. So I, Wonder Woman and, and Baby Driver, I don't know. A couple of I'm more inclined to see Baby Driver than Wonder Woman personally. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not I'm not excited to see either. I what I <laughs> what I'd like to see is uh I, I'd like to see Edgar Wright's trailer for Baby Driver and right. then I'll make make an actual I'd decision. I'd like to see a movie it. called uh Driving Miss Baby Wonder Woman. Yeah. And it's Wonder Woman <laughs> in 1950 when she's a child and she's very privileged. And she gets driven around to crimes. I'm trying to drive you to the crime scene. Yeah, okay. That sounds good. Um, Well, let's talk about this. Paul, what are sort of your favorite genres of films that you've over the years? Documentaries uh, is actually my hands-down favorite uh, genre. I've probably watched in the last five, six years, I've probably watched 200 documentaries. Wow. Um, Recently, what do you think? All on candy, which is weird. (laughs) Yes. Um, what have I seen recently? Well, I'm halfway through it, but uh, Cries from Syria on HBO oh, wow. is heartbreaking and also informative. I like stuff that tends to be a little darker, uh, no. but, but, I'm, <laughs> but I'm also <laughs> a huge fan of uh, 30 for 30. Oh, uh, those are great. I've right. only seen one that, that, that I haven't liked. Um, I like uh, documentaries about music, especially historical ones like Muscle Shoals. Um, I, I like ones where they get into the detail of how something was created or came about. Um, there's, there's a really obscure one uh, about the record Apache, which is, it's called Sample This, and Apache was a flop of an album uh, that who was... Did that, who th- did Apache? I have no idea. All right. Um, oh, uh, the Incredible Bongo Band, something <laughs> like that. And they, it was a total flop as an album, but when rap became popular, uh, they discovered that there, it was like a wonderland of potential samples. Oh. And it has become the most heavily sampled record in the history of rap. And so they go back and they talk about how this was made, how Apache was made, how it came to be. And there's all this crazy backstory of happenstance where this had never happened and that person hadn't been there, this wouldn't have happened. And it like crosses with politics and political campaigns. It's crazy. It's crazy. Sample this. What do you think is what, what makes for you a good documentary? Uh Seeing people's humanity, uh, like in a way that is real, that that 
isn't afraid to shy away from, well, well two things, either seeing um, somebody really, really uh, reveal what, what drives them or seeing something that's really detailed about a historical uh, event. For me, it's all about the details. Like I, I watched a documentary called Fastball, and I was so disappointed because they never talked about the mechanics of how to throw a fastball. And I was like, that is the most intriguing <laughs> what was thing it about to me. Uh, they just interviewed guys who were great fastball pitchers and talked about who the great fastball pitchers were, which is great. But a movie, uh, Knuckleball, is great because they talk about how you throw a good knuckleball. So that to me is, I want the nuts and bolts of a subject matter, whether it's somebody's personality or the arc of their life or the mechanics of something that, that doesn't have to do with a person. What What are some of the the best ones, be they Oscar nominated or not, that you think have come out in the last couple of years? That's a hard one because I have seen so right. fucking many. Um, I think 13. 13, yeah, 13. That was, it, yeah. It is, I think, the most important documentary. I, I consider myself fairly uh, politically aware, and I didn't even know that this was going on, the things that it reveals. There's a clause in the 13th Amendment that says slavery is now illegal unless you are using it for punishment. Unless you commit a crime. And like, now mm -hmm. the corporations own the prisons. They're using prisoners to As make labor. products for the corporations. I, I didn't know that. Which means they need to create criminals exactly. to do their labor. Yeah. And I think I'm probably not that uh, alone in having not known that. Um, maybe I am. Maybe I'm just I was under a rock when this became uh, public knowledge. But I think the more people that see this, the better, because they're going to begin to realize that we have become uh, much more of a uh, what, what corporatocracy yeah. than uh, than you would think. Yeah, that's the thing that, that I that I love about. We talk about it a lot on this show is that I love when a documentary sheds light into uh, either brings something. Brings you into a world. Brings you into a world you weren't aware of. Be it a political thing, a, like I didn't know that law, mm -hmm. or just any world. Or podcasting. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what? I think my favorite documentary might be, and it's the only one that I've seen twice, is The Birth of Silicon Valley. Oh, could you Valley. hold it? Oh, okay. Never mind. I thought you were going to say it here, but. Oh no! <laughs> the birth of silicon earbuds is a fantastic yeah. <laughs> Seriously, Jesus. it is. You guys did an amazing job oh, with it. Um, the birth of Silicon Valley is a PBS uh, in the in the American Experience uh, series, and it is so perfect in describing not only the personalities of how the digital revolution happened, but the actual mechanics of the transistor, of oh, the wow. integrated circuit. Uh, of all of those things, but and it went so, into the mechanics. So it was like you said, it's was more and compelling the personality, yeah, and the history. It, it, I think it might be the most perfect documentary uh, wow. ever made. Now, do you like the lighter ones too, like King of Kong, like ones like that? Absolutely, I yeah. love that one. That's I love that one. one. Yeah, mm -hmm. because it it's compelling personalities, yeah, obsessive. Exactly. Obsessive people. Even though, like, uh, you know, all documentaries of manipulation, even though that one is kind of manipulative, I still yeah. loved it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we just saw, uh, we had a, uh, a filmmaker on. We saw the Colin Hay documentary, which was fantastic. That was another great documentary. Yeah, yeah we had Nate Gautham on the show. Mm -hmm. and he, his. Uh, I got to see that. It's fantastic. We met him up. At, we, we had earbuds up. Super at the nice guy. Oh, yeah. Was, oh, I'm talking about Colin. I haven't yeah, met yeah, yeah, yeah. And And it was really, that doc, you love the documentary because yeah. if you like music documentaries and the history and all, you know, it's the thing, we we talked about it on the show. We're like, oh, it's the Men at Work guy. Like that was our only reference point to this person. And then you learn how that band, where you know his family moved from England to yeah. Australia as part and of his this. solo stuff is great. Oh man, yeah. and I, a whole other career. You're seeing this guy mm -hmm. in his 60s on the road playing. You see him play at Largo. You see yeah. him, you know, it's it's beyond scrubs. Yeah, <laughs> it's is really cool. Um, all right, well that's awesome that you like uh, that you like the docs. Mm -hmm. Here. On DVD and Blu-ray, uh, Passengers. Uh, we did a spoiler up on this. Just listen to that. I wouldn't bother watching this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Just watch um, this. It's a fan spoiler it's up. It's really, I'll tell you, unless you want to be a production designer, 
That's the one reason I would say watch this movie. It has amazing production design. Yeah, that's that's a great. Nominated for it. Yeah, if you want to do production design, if Mm -hmm. you want to see how to create a really cool world that's unique and different, and showed some stuff we haven't. If you want to create this beautiful world that everyone else shits on with their bullshit, yeah, that's what happened with. You want to create a beautiful world with a dumb plot, yeah, uh, surrounding all the great things you've created. (laughs) Gorgeous movie stars. This is the movie you should watch. Uh, um, the next movie is Fences. Um, um, yeah, you know, I, I, as we said on the show, there's great performances in Fences. It just, as we talked about, it was like they put a camera inside a, a theater. It's mm-hmm. just literally word for word, scene for scene, which I think bogs down the medium of film too much into too much dialogue. But I will say this. Watch it because Viola Davis is great. Denzel Washington is great. Uh, the young guy that plays his kid is great. There's there's some great acting moments, but just know you're kind of watching a play. Right. And, you know, that's but it's worth seeing. Now, Ellie is, um, I believe, the actress that she was nominated for the Academy She was Award. nominated for mm-hmm. Best uh, best Supporting Actress, I mm-hmm. believe, and Best best Leading Actress. French drama. Uh, uh, Aaron is nodding, giving me the correct information. Yes. It's so great having Aaron in the I room. I know. Directed by Paul Verhoeven. Oh, wow. wow! Yeah. Right. So no weird sex well, violence? I or... mean, it starts with a rape, oh, I believe. God. Thanks. So, Thanks, Aaron. Sorry. So the answer would be no. <laughs> um, okay. Um, but, yeah, that's that was one of those movies, and we talked about it on the Oscar episode of didn't hear – it didn't get – it probably didn't have the the budget of some of these other movies to really push it uh, down. That was a French film, right? The Oscar Pike. Yeah. Yeah. There's a review by CJ on the uh, Yes, there's a review well. on the site you want to check it out. Also, um, you could check out CJ's review of Raw. We had talked about this movie on the uh, the other uh, podcast. Uh, this is the horror movie about like the vegetarians or the, or the veterinarians who have to get hazed and have to eat, you know, raw meat and then it uh, let's just say it turns them and they said <laughs> it's a really one of those really disturbing, low-budget horror movies, but it's good, but not for the faint of heart. That's so, so I will not. Most likely, Graham will not be watching the film, uh, but I'm sure uh, Neil will be seeing it, or if he hasn't already. <laughs> so then, premiering this. Should week, we get Neil help? I mean, yeah, there's a, there's a psychological issue at play here. Then no one would review these movies. Well, that's true. All right, keep going, uh, buddy. We love what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> so we have uh, Beauty and the Beast. Uh, premiering this week. Now, this is, I, I'll tell you. Are you going to take your kids to this? They're very excited to see okay. it. I, I, I'll tell you, I have the same trepidation I did about Jungle Book, although I was wrong about Jungle Book. It really just looks like a live action version of the animated movie. Like, well, I don't need that. It looks like literally song by song, scene by scene, shot by shot, even like, uh, it's like with Ghost in the Shell. You're just trying to make real life versions of these anime characters. And uh, I think. Uh, I'm going to predict, though, that uh, The Jungle Book was a exception to the rule. I think that was one place where it went right. I don't know if all of them are going to hit that um, same target, so we'll see. Uh, but, my, again, kids are very excited. It's going to make a fortune this weekend. It will be – it doesn't matter what – even if The Avengers came out, most likely, uh, Beauty and the Beast is still it's, – it's, it's just a juggernaut. Um, and the next movie is The Belko Experiment. What is that? This is where James Gunn went into his trunk of uh, screenplays that hadn't been made yet. <laughs> After Guardians of the Galaxy, most likely he um, had a, co- a few Aaron lying has around. To say about this. Yes. It's like Office Space meets Battle Royale. Yeah, they, people get trapped in an it. office and have to kill each other. Oh, like I saw the trailer yeah. for this. Yeah. yeah. I'm actually, I want to see this. So yeah. it, it feels a little bit like Office Space meets The Raid a little bit, but James Gunn did not direct it. So it was just, but it, it is his uh, screenplay. Uh, T2's Train Spotting. This is an odd, an odd sequel. How many years has that been since twenty the years? Movie? Twenty years. Twenty years after Danny Boyle is directing it, the entire cast is back. So uh, it sounds like it's a uh, a um, a drugged out version of Before Sunrise, Before Sunset. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a violent drugged out Scottish Before Sunrise, Before Sunset. That's all I need. That's I'm I'm into that. It feels that way. I. The working title was I Slept Through the Sunrise. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I saw the trailer. I love the original train spot. I like the original one, too. You Come can't on. miss with Danny yeah. Boyle. I'm so. excited for it. I'm excited for it. So I think I'm going to see that. I'll probably see this while you're at Beauty and the Beast. Most likely, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, then that's, that's our show. That's our show, ladies mm-hmm. and gentlemen. Now let's talk about Patreon. Yes. Um, 
we have started the Patreon page. You guys have been very generous already, and we really need to hit that first tier so we can start doing this. First, excuse me, the first goal so we can start doing two spoiler eps a month again. Because honestly, in full disclosure, the movie really kicked our asses financially, and we're trying to dig back out of this hole. And Patreon is one way we can definitely help out. But the other thing is, we really want to grow the company. We want to do more things. We want to redo the website. We want to start doing more video content. We want to do. More start doing more feature films all of these things get an office get more office help and all those goals are on the patreon and you can help us get there and don't think you need a lot of money to do it we have one and two dollar tiers anything helps yeah it's it's we just as we've talked about before we've sort of hit the ceiling on what two guys in a garage with you know uh, interns and part-time yes. help can do mm -hmm. so aaron can only do so much <laughs> And, and we can and, only afford to pay him to do so much. And uh, a lot of people that don't do podcasts, I think, aren't aware of how much work goes into you just show up and you start talking and you got a sheet. Oh, here's the movies we're going to talk about. Oh, there's a website to do. Mm -hmm. There's social media you got to do. Uh, replying to fans who have mm -hmm. questions. People are saying, read this article. Go check that out. It's, it is a full-time job. Yeah. Things break. You got to get fixed. Like if our cart breaks, we have to programmers. We've been having issues with the website with hacking. We're trying to get all those resolved. And all that costs time and money. Yeah, and so when we're doing, when we're spending time, even just doing like the bookkeeping or invoices for the the people that sell T-shirts or whatever on our site, that takes time away from doing creative stuff. That doesn't mean that means we don't have time to do extra spoiler apps and stuff like that. Right. So, which we want to do, we want to give you guys more content. We yeah. want to make more content. And we also we could go try to get an investor, a big corporate sponsorship, but then they're going to take over a lot of control. Right. And we don't want to. We want to keep doing the shows and we're the stuff. an indie we, company. We want to keep it mm -hmm. non corporate, and the way to do that is if you guys. Uh, help support. So we really appreciate that. Um, so the link is on the homepage. Yes. And also, if you're watching the YouTube, it's in the uh, it's in the show notes below. Yep. So tap that Patreon shit. Yeah. Oh yeah. Patreon the shit out of that. Uh, Paul Gilmartin, where can people find you on the internet? Your podcast, everything. Uh, the website for the podcast is mentalpod.com. Um, called the mental illness mental illness happy hour. You can find it on iTunes or whatever your uh, podcast aggregator is. I sounded drunk right there. That's good. Aggregator. <laughs> um, yeah. Put a, little, put a little whiskey in that coffee. Yeah, just to... <laughs> you can follow me um, at MentalPod on Twitter. And uh, if you want to see my comedic side, although it occasionally comes out in the, in the podcast, I do a satirical far right-wing uh, congressman character named Richard Martin. One of my favorite yeah, characters. That's great. Uh, when you answer questions from the audience as that uh, character, I cannot uh, get enough of it. Well, thank you. Thank and you do, you've been doing a lot of Jimmy Dore's live shows because he's I been have. doing his podcast live. Yeah, I've been, being, been a part of uh, his live shows uh, about once a month for the last six months. So there's mm -hmm. a bunch of video up there uh, right now of, of me being a part of the show. Uh, the website for that character is, although I haven't updated it in forever, is askarepublican.com. <laughs> and you can follow him on Twitter at uh, Ohio Congressman. That's crazy. Oh, and there's a, speaking of YouTube, there's a, uh, he has a campaign ad, uh, which is called I Believe. And it's on YouTube. So if you just uh, go to YouTube and search uh, Richard Martin, I Believe, there's like a one minute um campaign ad kind of spoofing oh, it great. is there was there's so jimmy Dore then puts clips up to, on his youtube channel he's got a very successful youtube channel some of the live shows and i was reading some of the comments and they're like why does he have this right wing guy on with the tie and i'm like oh my god this is so funny they don't they really think jimmy's liberal progressive show is just gonna let's just have this crazy old republican he has guy. to remind them sometimes that it's satire yeah and uh I take say, that as a compliment. Uh, it's, it's yeah, a, yeah. It is such a compliment. Your character is so spot on. Some people are like, this fucking Republican dick. And you say these also awful things that you think are just so great. I I I love it. I love yeah. how you someone ask a question and you'll answer with something really horrible and offensive and go, yeah, next question right over here. It's my favorite thing. Oh, my God. I love it. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Um, 
And also, you can see Paul Gilmartin uh, talk LA about Podfest? at LA Podfest, October 6th through the 8th. Tickets are on sale at LAPodfest.com. We're at the new Biltmore uh, Hotel yes. downtown. And they were on sale earlier this year, and they are going faster this year. Hotel rooms. So. There's Guys, we there's a limited number of hotel rooms. It's a giant hotel, but there's some medical conference downtown LA that week. Mm-hmm. So if we run out of discounted hotel rooms at the Biltmore, that's it. Yeah, so if you're planning on coming, make your uh, plans early. Uh, and if you're going to try to stay elsewhere, look around. Look around. <laughs> jump on it quick because that conference is going to chew up a lot of hotel yep. rooms. It's some massive conference, so yep. it's going to so be. So don't lot. get sick if you're not in downtown LA in that weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the doctors—they're all be gone. There. <laughs> come to LA in case you get sick. Uh, so all of you uninsured folks, come to LA yeah. Podfest. Mm-hmm. That's the best place you could be in uh, early October. And also, you want to watch Paul Gilmartin talk about the amazingness of podcasting in Earbuds, the podcasting documentary. So check that out. Available at ComedyFilmNerds.com. Dot com. Uh, That's our show. That is. Thank you to Aaron and everybody here at ATC. Thank you to Paul Gilmartin. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming in, especially last minute. Last minute. Uh, My name is Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember, Han shot first. I'm going to punch a mirror.